I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today my guest is Andy Millerhop. Andy served with the Royal Green Jackets in the 1980s, spending time in Northern Ireland at the peak of unrest. Now he heads channel marketing for Facebook and champions the veteran community. Watch this interview to gain an understanding of how veterans can be a great talent for corporations and the best steps to transition from the military into a career in marketing. Andy, thank you so much for being a guest on my show and coming all the way to my house in Richmond. I wanted to start by asking you about your military career and how it all began and what made you join the military in the first place. So I had, um, I would say, a fairly unsettled childhood. Um, my parents divorced when I was relatively young. And as a result of that, moved around the country. So originally in Surrey, then up north to Durham. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I'm a Newcastle girl, so there okay, you there go. You. Durham, yep. know it well. Um, so a few, lovely city. Yeah, beautiful. it is a beautiful city. A couple, uh, couple of years there, then to Sussex. And then eventually back to Surrey. So I guess, um, you know, I'd, I'd been used to moving around. I'd always been interested in the military. So I spent a couple of, a couple of years in the cadets. Like, loved the kind of time in the Cub Scouts, mm. being outdoors. So I think it was a combination of things. You know, one, it was probably being unsettled. Didn't have a, a kind of male role model at home. Um, loved the outdoors. And I, you know, just, it was the challenge. I think, you know, I wanted to get away from home. I wanted to kind of carve my Was it just you and part. your mum or did you have like Younger brother and sister, yeah, okay. you know, and I kind of, I suppose, felt responsibility for them as well. So mm. it was quite hard to, to kind of leave. But, um, yeah, I went to uh, the careers office, um, came away, kind of went to the selection centre, went through that, got a day to start training and then went down to Winchester um, and joined the light division, um, the Royal Green Jackets, which yeah. is an infantry regiment, yeah. um, which is now the Rifles. Um, so yeah, did my training there, um, and then was posted out to Germany with the Third Battalion, the Royal Green Jackets, who were based in Celler at that time in northern Germany. Um, so we were like a mechanised unit working in armour personnel carriers, you know, as part of a, uh, a battle group. Um, and then we were training for Northern Ireland. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, mid-80s. Now, um, I, I remember Northern Ireland. I don't remember. I wasn't there. But as, as a child, you know, I, I remember on TV. But a lot of people, I think, um, or that may be watching this, might not remember Northern Ireland and, and what you went through. But certainly, you know, I remember my dad used to live in London. I remember picking up the phone going, God, there's a bomb gone off and actually being frightened for my dad, if anything happened to my dad, what was it like being an actual soldier in Bel? I mean, were you in Belfast? Yeah, yeah, we were in West Belfast um, in eighty four, eighty five. So, as you'd imagine, you know, West Belfast was a pretty. You don't look older. Sorry, Andy, you don't look old (laughs) enough. I'm trying to work out the maths there. I can tell. I can tell you off. Two rooms. Yes, no, 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 not at all. so yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty tough area, um, and you know my location was was in between essentially the you know the Protestant and and uh, Repub- uh, sorry um, Catholic or Republican communities. So yeah, it was you know it was pretty intense. Um, when you think about 
the kind of support that you know the provisional IRA had um, when you think about the access to the the kinds of weapons that they had, um, and you know the the risk every time you left your location to go on a foot patrol, a multiple patrol, you'd normally be with um, you know with the uh, with the IUC. Um, but yeah, you know the the threat of an IED or you know an attack through an RPG or a shoot, um, an ambush. You know they were pretty regular occurrences, and then you'd also have bombs being detonated. You know sometimes you'd get called out to incidents like kneecappings. You know within oh within the communities. So yeah, it was um, it was quite quite an intense quite an intense period. It just seems so so strange to think that was Northern Ireland. It's like next door to us. It's it's not the other side of the world. It's not Iran. It's not Afghanistan. It's not the Falklands. But it's literally. It's literally there, right next to yeah. us, and you are there in a in a war zone. And I think a lot of younger people may be looking at that, thinking, "Wow, that they didn't don't realise actually what was going on and and the terror that must have." I mean, what was your sort of dark? Do do you remember the sort of? Talk, do you, can you think of any of the sort of most challenging times there? I think um, when we had um, uh, one of our battalion killed, so he was killed. Um, in an ambush on the, the Turf Lodge, which was a pretty notorious estate. And we had a couple of other guys that were also hit as part of that ambush. Um, sadly, you know, Tim was killed and, and the other guys um, made a full recovery. So that was pretty difficult. And I remember actually when, um, because that was, I think, the 16th or 17th of October, 1984. And I remember when it came to Remembrance Sunday, which obviously was, you know, literally um, a couple of weeks later, we had a service on on the the roof of North Howard Street Mill, which is where we were based. And um, yeah, I just remember the bugler playing the last post, and you could kind of hear it just echoing out, you know, over 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 Belfast. So that was like a very kind of moving, mm. you know, very moving moment. Um, I suppose on the other side of it, you know, one of the kind of surreal moments, um, and you mentioned, you know, it's part of the British Isles, obviously. So yeah. occasionally we'd get to go into the city centre, um, which meant, you know, at least some one of one of us had to be armed with a normally with a nine millimeter pistol. Um, so we had this kind of bizarre situation where it's totally bizarre. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. imagine it being Cardiff or yeah. you know Edinburgh or you know, it's just yeah. It, it, it's really strange, but we, those of um, those of us that remember Woolworths mm. and the pick and mix, <laughs> I remember us I going remember in. The pick and you mix. remember the pick I and mix? I remember Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember going into Woolworths, the pick and mix, you know, and like there's, you know, a guy standing next to me with a concealed pistol, just thinking this is all like, this is all a bit strange. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, it's. Um, I think that's the thing that I really loved about the army. It it, it wasn't so much the, the routine of kind of, you know, um, of being in barracks and training. It was more about training for something and then actually going on an operational tour and doing the job um, for real. Did you suffer at all? Did you come out when you came out of the army? Had you suffered any post-traumatic stress or? Um, I would say no. I think over the years, um, you know, I think it's more... Could, could there be some symptom, uh, sorry, some, you know, kind of symptoms? I mean, depression, anxiety, you know. Um, 
But I think, you know, they, they could be partially from service, they could be from other other kind of life events. I think the hardest thing for me was just, you know, finding an identity again, because you have an identity, you yeah. know, you are a rifleman or, you know, a soldier, a sailor, mm. an airman, and then you leave and, you know, you've got to really think about who you are and then, you know, find your identity again. That's, that's actually really interesting because well, I wanted to come on to that. What was the transition like when you left the military and, and then going into civilian life? Because presumably the military was the first, that, well, you must have been. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. you were literally a baby. Yeah. The first thing that you did, you hadn't had a career before then, you went straight no. from school to, to the military. Yeah. yeah. So how, what was it like or, or how, how did you cope um, coming out of the military? I think it was really, it's really tough. And, you know, at the time you literally handed your kit in um you you know went and did your final administration you know got your kind of final paycheck almost and then you were gone and there wasn't really any attempt at kind of at that time you know in recent in, in terms of resettlement so there was no sort of career counseling or no. have you thought about this skills have you thought about these companies these co- nothing nothing no like it was quite hard I mean, you know it took me quite a long time just to to find something that you know, that I really wanted to do. And what year was this? So Why? that would have been late 80s. Okay. Yeah. So um, so I ended up working in publishing sales. And again, it was just... Oh, sorry, I went <laughs> which... publishing sales yeah. as well. <laughs> so you know, you know. It's I like know. It's a dog-eat-dog. It's a dog-eat-dog job. You know, and you're basically trying to sell advertising, you know, yeah. display advertising in magazines to like some large, you know, some large companies. Um, but it was quite interesting because I worked um, with some aviation clients, so kind of airlines, airports, you know, big suppliers. So um, I got to go to the air shows, you know, most years. Um, so that that was quite interesting. But I think I got to a point where I just thought there's got to be more to life than this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's no there's no adrenaline, um, there's no kind of challenge. Um, there's no real kind of fulfilment. I mean, yeah, you're Definitely getting... Definitely no fulfilment. No. Other than, are they going to pick the phone up? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or not put it exactly. down on me? Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Um, I did once have a client, actually. So I worked on some construction titles for a bit. who literally threw me out of his office. <laughs> you know, so um, you, you kind of get used to handling that, you know, that rejection. Um, and not taking it personally after, you know, you have to have pretty broad shoulders yeah, sometimes. Yeah, toughen up. <laughs> yeah. But I... Um, and but yet, you've come from the military. Yeah. But and it was quite... How strange is that? So was that a challenge for you? I think, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you kind of want to respond in a certain way, probably. But, you know, you, you have to, you have to kind of temper yourself mm-hmm. a little bit and, uh, and sometimes just, you know, think about the situation and ultimately what you're what you're trying to um you know what you're trying to achieve with that with those clients even though you know some of them I really didn't like if I'm honest um but I got to a point where I just thought you know what this isn't I don't want to do this for the rest of my life there has to be more and um you know my my first marriage hadn't worked out and I did a bit... And, and, and sorry, we did talk about this earlier. That, that's why you... That's that why I left, why you left the Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was actually a relationship. Yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, yeah, this is the one. And, and what, what know, happened? That... Just, I think, you know, 
when you get married in the army, you know, it's 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 very um, everything's very regimented. Everything's very, mm. you know, very kind of clear um, and defined. And then, you know, I think I was struggling to settle. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. That kind of put pressure, you know, on the on our relationship. I don't think we wanted the same things. Mm. Um, and there, you you just get to a point where you can't. You know, you can't resolve your differences. Can't resolve your differences, so you you have to make a call on it. And I, again, I guess um, at that time there wasn't any offer advice like relationship counselling or anything. No, I mean, I I suppose looking back at it, I probably could have gone to like the Royal British Legion or one of the charities, mm. but I didn't. I think you know we got to a point where it just we both realised it wasn't going to work, and we had to you know make the best of it and move on. And um, yeah, I, I did a little bit of sport parachuting in the in the army, um, and um, like I just remembered I really enjoyed it, and I was looking for something. So it was a sport you weren't actually; it wasn't part of your sort of drill. Or no, no, it wasn't part of um, kind of military training at all. It was just um, we got to go and do some sport parachuting at um, Bad Lipspringer, which was the army parachute centre in Germany, and I really enjoyed it. And I just thought, hey, that would be really cool. So I started just researching it and I thought actually I could do an accelerated freefall course which is when you go from ne having never skydived to being a qualified skydiver so you can jump so you on your miss own. out the static line yeah so the you know the kind of first level is when you leave the aircraft and you're being held by two instructors mm. and they're giving you hand signals you know just to get your body position right and they're you know telling you to look at your altimeter and you know telling you when to deploy your your parachute um so I just love I just love that and um I think what it was that was was so cool about it is like I was just becoming part of this community of of skydivers which was really close and you know it was almost like the army where you get people from every war you know from every background you know from up north down south um you know so this Skydiving, right? Yeah, and, and you all share the same passion. Exactly, yeah. and that. So it, you know, I realised. I, well, I felt I kind of found myself again. Yeah, I can see. You that. know, um, so that sense. Do you feel that sense of community that you had at the military was something that suddenly, when you'd lost that, that the skydiving community had sort of replaced? replaced? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one. It was interesting because there were quite a few ex-military guys, mm, yeah. you know, that Presume, yeah. that were involved. Um, as instructors and you know jumpers and stuff so that you know so there was a, a connection there but it, it was just such a great group of people from all different backgrounds um, and um, yeah it just set me on this kind of journey um, where you know I ended up traveling spending time in different countries working in the in the you know the adventure tourism industry um, which I absolutely which I absolutely loved and you ended up do it as as I remember reading. Yeah, three thousand skydives. Yeah, a majority was that you were in New Zealand. In at New the Zealand, time. yeah. So in New Zealand, um, yeah, I was working for um, yeah a wonderful couple, uh, Dave and Jules Hall, that previously owned uh, Tandem Skydive Wanaka. Mm -hmm. So Wanaka is just north of Queenstown. It's on the the fourth largest lake. And if you can imagine, you've got kind of Mount Aspiring National Park in the background. It's this I've never been to New Zealand. You've got to go. It's to like, go. yeah, it. it's incredible. Um, yeah, and we kind of turn up in the morning at the airfield. You know, we get our first customers. 
Um, and um, yeah, we'd meet them, put their harness on, they'd watch the video, we'd take them to the plane, we'd jump in, go up to... Any accidents? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you sort was... of assume by the amount of times you skydive, you might have had some sort of incident. Yeah, I think, you know, you a lot of people do end up deploying their reserve parachute, mm -hmm. yeah, because they have um, an issue with their main parachute. Um, I've actually never had a reserve ride in all of that time, so I was very lucky. Yeah. I did have a German guy that was um, actually on his honeymoon, and um, when the parachute opened, um, obviously I could talk to him again. And um, <clears throat> I said to him, are you all right? And um, I could see his cheeks <laughs> filling up. Oh, no. So I just said to him, look, I'm going to turn the canopy. And as I turn up, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder, just let it out. Yeah. And um, as I turned the canopy and tapped him on the shoulder, he, he, he delayed it a couple of seconds. And it just blew back all over Oh, it. no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was coated in, you know, oh, in no. his sick. Oh, no. The worst thing, I just felt really sorry for him, like, you know, landing in front of his, his new wife. And, you know, there were two of us kind of oh. cracked in his lunch, which, um, oh, yeah. yeah, probably wasn't great for their no, um, honeymoon, to be no. honest. <laughs> what was yeah. it? I loved it. I've, I've only done it once. I did it in Germany. absolutely loved, loved it. Loved it, yeah. Yeah, I to do it again, definitely. It's great. And some days, you know, we'd be doing 20, 25 jumps a day. So it was quite, you know, they were, they were busy days, but... We get lots of time off, so you know we'd work mainly in the summer, and then in the winter we could go skiing, snowboarding, kind of mountain biking. It was kind of an, an adventure tourism mecca. So Andy, it sounds like you had the dream life. Why did you leave? So I think um, I've met well, I met my my wife, um, and we uh, we got married in New Zealand. It was amazing. We were very lucky. Um, I got to skydive into my own wedding, which was wow, That's which was amazing. amazing. I didn't take my wife; she actually um, she arrived by by boat onto. Oh wow! Onto so she's arriving by boat, and you're arriving yeah. by air. Yeah, which was which was nice. Yeah. And then you know, we had the ceremony on the beach, and had the justice of the peace. It was, I think, two sheets to the wind on the champagne. By the time <laughs> we actually got to the, you know, the the, the service itself, but. Um, no, we we love New Zealand, but I think, you know, we felt that we couldn't do it forever. Mm. And, um, you know, you're conscious of age as well and, you know, still fit, but it takes quite a toll on your body, you know, when you're Is doing kind of... Is there sort of a shelf life for tandem I think so, yeah. Jumping out of planes. Yeah, I think, you know, you probably don't want to be doing it in your, you know, 50s. Um, oh, really? It's yeah, amazing. I mean, there are guys that, that, you know, that, mm. that, that definitely are and that's cool, but I just thought... You know, I've got a, I've kind of done this and I love it, but it's time to do yeah, something else. Yeah. And I, I wasn't, I think it would be fair to say I wasn't really intellectually challenged, you know. I yeah, mean, of course. Yeah. It's not. And, and that, that's what I kind of, you know, really needed. So um, while we were still in New Zealand, I got in contact with the University of Portsmouth and said, well, I want to do this kind of marketing business course. Um, and they accepted me. And so we came back. Um, we rented a, um, a flat in Portsmouth, just off the Albert Road in South Sea, and I went to university. Oh my God, you went to university? <laughs> now, I'm, I can't do the maths, but how yeah. old were you? You must have been 30s yeah. at yeah, this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like early 30s? Yeah, I think it was probably early 30s. Yeah, maybe mid 30s. Okay, well, I and remember, yeah. I remember my student days. Uh, what was it like being a student with you all the 18 and 19, like with the kids, basically? It, it, it was, um, 
it was quite hard. I mean, it was quite funny when I turned up because, like, you know, I had a few looks and then, um, you know, a few, few of the guys said, oh, you know, how are you doing? Like, what are you doing here? Are you the lecturer? Your, yeah, you the lecturer, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's your, you know, what's the story? And then, obviously, you know, when you get talking to them, they're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and it was actually really nice because although I was a lot older, you know, we, we worked together, obviously, because we had yeah, you know, group yeah. projects. I went out drinking with them. Did you? I was going to yeah, say, yeah, you go oh, to the yeah, studio yeah, yeah, bars yeah. and hang out I, with them. I'd normally retire early because they'd like drink me into the ground. God. You know, I'd be like, right. As soon as the shot started, I'm like, I'm, I'm gone. Um, but no, I had, a, I had a great time there. And um, in the, it was quite cool because they had um, a scheme where for your last year, you could go and work for a company and oh, write yeah, your dissertation yes. like and stuff. Placement. Like a placement. Place, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah. So I actually ended up going back to the to the company that I worked with originally in, in a sales role, uh, read read business information, yeah. and um, but I worked worked in marketing. So and it was this, I suppose it was you know, early, you know mid mid kind of two thousands, and and essentially what was happening is that the whole world was transitioning to digital. So all of the publishing companies, you know, traditional publishing companies, were thinking, okay. We need to move to digital. We're launching new products, um, and I was at, lucky enough to be at the forefront of that. Um, so that's where my digital career actually started. And then you you had a few jobs before you got to where you got to yeah, now. And yeah. You're so now lead channel uh, channel marketing. For channel partner marketing. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Um, and and it's not it's not just that. I mean, you're working at Facebook, but you're also leading. Um, some really amazing initiatives there helping veterans. Tell me about that and tell me about what is it because it's now been a few years since since Northern Ireland. Since yeah, the 80s. of course. Yeah, yeah. God, I can't count now, is it? It's oh, moved on. Oh, a bit. it's been a long, long <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What has kept that sort of motivation going for you wanting to help? Veterans? So I think, you know, after I left the army, I didn't. I'd go to the occasional reunion, uh, you know, but there wasn't, there wasn't really a lot of contact. And, um, and then, you know, I was introduced to a few people that we both know. Mm. Um, and I just thought, you know what, you know, I can do something to help my community. Um, and, you know, I started working with a few people that had their own businesses or their own charities, mm. you know, people like Michael or Nick and, mm. and others. Um, and, they were looking for help you know they were like okay well look we we know that using social media channels is going to be critical to developing and growing our business yeah yeah but we need we need some help um so a few of them came in and you know we did some training and um and managed to get them started and then i thought actually like we should run an event as facebook you know for the armed forces community um so i went to kind of my bosses and said look would you think about this idea? And I'll be honest, I thought... I was going to say, was it, no. taken, was it taken well? Yeah, or? they loved it. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Let, you know, and credit to, you know, to, um, to the people that really got behind it. Um, and actually, they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I, I worked with this fantastic team. We put together what we call Boost with Facebook yeah, yeah. For, the, yes. for the Armed Forces community. And I think we had, you know, around 300 people attend, you know, it was at Central London, really nice venue um, and, you know, some great speakers and some great sessions. Um, and so the morning was more inspirational. 
Um, and then the afternoon was more training. Yeah. Um, right. And yeah, it was just, it, you know, it was a great success. We ran another one later in the year. And actually what was interesting is that Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg yes. he picked up on it. He'd wow. heard about the wow. event. Okay. And, um, so we do exist over in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and actually that's great, you know, because when Mark hears about things yeah. that he's passionate about and he wanted to get closer and do more for the veteran community in the US. So he loved the idea, um, you know, and said to Nick Clegg, right, let's, you know, let's do this in the US. Oh, wow. Yeah. So off, piggybacking off the back of your idea. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's great. Tell me, isn't there... Um, Obviously, we talk about um, inclusion and diversity, and there yeah. are stats that companies have to meet in terms of obviously gender, race, yeah. blah blah. Is there any statistics that say you have to employ a certain amount of veterans back into a corporate? Because it's mm, a good question. Thought there should be right. You've given your life for your country. Mm. Surely our corporations and our economy should be supporting the people that are going to serve for us. But hey, that's just my opinion. Uh, is yeah. there anything in... It, it's quite, um, it's a great question, Sonia, and it's quite a complex area, which I've spent quite a, a lot of time looking into with um, some of our kind of diversity team. And in the US, it, it's very different because they have the Veterans Administration. Mm. And um, we do, I think we probably... I think our US workforce is about 3% veterans, which, which is great, which, which is, is pretty, yeah, which is pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're making progress. Um, but then when you come to the UK, obviously we don't have an equivalent of the veterans, you know, veterans um, administration. We have the Ministry of Defence. Um, and, and I think, you know, there, there aren't, we don't have to, we, we don't have to track or report. We're not able, actually, to track or report things like um, diversity or veteran status. The only thing that actually we have to track and report is gender today. So, and even that gets a bit confusing. <laughs> can be, can be, definitely. So, um, so that, you know, that, that's an interesting one because um, we want to hire more veterans at yeah, Facebook. And, you know, there are lots of companies now that are starting to run veteran schemes. Um, you know, so I hope that's something that we will evolve over time. But What is it that you think makes um, veterans or people that, or people that have served um, good either employees, actually not just employees, entrepreneurs? I mean, I've, I've yeah. met, they make fantastic entrepreneurs. Yeah, amazing. Uh, but in terms of, I guess marketing wouldn't naturally be something you would think of. I guess if you're coming out of the military and I yeah. obviously interviewed a lot of yeah. vets, um, they tended to go into the sort of sec um, private security yeah. area first, corporate security. Yeah. But marketing, Cyber yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this, this was why, you know, so we, we realised that there was a big demand, big need for kind of digital education mm -hmm. and training and um yeah, there was a certain amount we could do with Boost. And then um, with my uh, basically kind of um, partner, uh, a guy called Simon Harmer, who's uh, a wonderful guy um, who has, you know, done it again a, a lot for the, for the community. Simon uh, and I realised it would be, you know, an opportunity to, to, to actually to do something. So um, we set up Mike Alpha. Mike Alpha. 
Where did you get the name Mike Alpha? Well, I was it, trying to work that out. Yeah, it's it was just, it, you know, it was Alpha. kind of, we were look, we were thinking about kind of marketing academy. Yeah. And then, you know, we thought about the phonetics, Mike oh, Alpha. It's something course. that yeah, kind of catches, yeah. you know. Yeah. So um, so that's where it came from. And then, um, you know, we we set that up. And the, the, the aim of that is is really twofold. One, it's to help veterans become aware of the opportunity in marketing and particularly digital marketing as a career option. And then the second thing is to help veteran-owned businesses and entrepreneurs. And you're right, you know, I've had the the privilege kind of to to meet a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, are veterans or spouses that are setting up these businesses that are really super smart, super passionate. Mm. They just need some direction in terms of, like, this is how to actually plan and structure your marketing um so you really understand your audience you're able to create content to really engage them you know how do you measure it properly um so it, it, it's almost like giving them foundations to to build on and you know your question about um what what makes veterans and you know and spouses good kind of entrepreneurs or employees mm. and i just think you know we're used to problem solving yeah. um we're used to working under pressure um, you know, we're used to just getting on and, and, and doing the job. Um, and there's lots of soft skills in terms of, you know, how we work with people, how we lead, all of those things. Do you think it's a mindset? Because I'm, I'm obviously part of everything that I'm doing in interviews. It all seems, it comes down to mindset, whether you're trying to uh, get a better body, whether you're trying to yeah. grow your business, whatever in life, it's this mindset and I guess um, having served, you have a certain mindset. Yeah. Do you think that's part of it as well? I do, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think most people that have come from the military community or the armed forces community mm. definitely have a mindset, you know, and you probably hear people saying, let's just crack on. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let, let's, let's get stuff done, um, which is definitely a mindset from the military. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you just get stuff done? How do you solve problems? Um, how do you deal with complexity? And it really brought it home to me. I was talking to a veteran and we were talking about complexity and he was saying, well, yeah, but I think, you know, I think about being in Afghanistan where I'm trying to control my, my platoon who are, you know, coming under fire. I'm talking to HQ on the radio. I'm talking to Fast Air who I need to basically drop munitions on, on, on a target. And I'm doing all of this while there's kind of bullets, you know, literally rounds flying over my head. So, you know, we are used to managing kind of that kind of complexity in, in, in pressurized situations, you know, and making the right decisions. Um, and I think, you know, we, we put people first. Mm. I think actually, you know, a lot of veterans are very kind, compassionate people. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. Having met a lot now, I absolutely agree. Um, and, and and you know not that they've got the det- you've got the determination the willpower um, to, to succeed and, and, and do things. Yeah. Um, what does the future hold for? Well, for you, I think you know I want to continue at the moment. You know, working in marketing. Um, very lucky to work at Facebook. You know, it's a it, it is a great company. There's some great people. I've got to talk about the cafeteria. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'll tell, tell you about the cafeteria. Yeah, you've yeah. got to come in when it uh, reopens. I love to come yeah. in. And, you know, I, as I say, I, I was in the corporate environment for 20 years, but very different. I was in the city, very stuffy. 
uh, you were suited and booted. You were lucky if you had, a, you know, Fridays became that sort of yeah. dresses, almost dresses you like. There were still rules. There were massive rules around yeah. that as well. Yeah. You know, it's very relaxed. You can kind of come to work in really what you want to. Um, and then, you know, we, we're very lucky in terms of facilities. So we have a restaurant which basically serves three meals a day. So you can get breakfast, lunch, kind of supper. Um, there were what well, we have micro kitchens on every floor. So imagine kind of walking into a, like a mini Starbucks, oh, you know, and yeah. you've got kind of all of these like kind of snacks and nuts and healthy things and, you know, lots so of different coffee. It's a good place to work. It's a good place to work. How do you think the whole COVID-19 situation, because it wouldn't be an interview right now without sort of talking about that very quickly and where you see the future going with that and, and maybe veterans as well. And yeah. Well. I think actually it's it's obviously going to change the way that we work um, and that that's you know I think for, for a lot of people universally yeah. but also you know definitely the way um, we work at Facebook we're, we're looking at flexible working as being the norm so you know a certain number of people in the future will work from home yeah. um, others will kind of you know maybe split their time between the office and um, and home working but where I'm kind of hopeful with that is that, you know, a veteran that perhaps couldn't get to London, maybe has life-changing injuries, mm. you know, where mobility is an issue, that's not a barrier anymore. No. So, you know, I'm really hopeful that actually these changes to our working environments are actually going to help veterans. Um, and, you know, where you've got um, spouses, military spouses, mm. you know, maybe have a young family, um, and can't travel into London or, you know, a city, um, actually they can work from home. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, and, it's, it's, it's crazy that, that yeah. this didn't happen before. I mean, it was, it was almost yeah. crying out for and, it, really. And that's the beauty of marketing, you know, because essentially as long as you you can log on and you you've got your laptop, yeah. you can be anywhere. You know, you can create content, you can be managing social media accounts or campaigns or whatever it is. It doesn't need to be you know, you're in an office kind of working nine to five. So I'm really hopeful that it's going to open up more opportunities. So yeah, I definitely want to continue with Mike Alpha. We want to grow it. Um, I just want to say kind of thank you to Jellyfish Training, who are the company that have really got behind us in terms of um, supporting us with actually delivering of the delivery of the training. Um, they've done a They've done a brilliant job and without them, you know, we wouldn't be able to kind of set this up and get it running. And if there's any vets that are watching this and thinking, oh shit, I've just come out of the military, what the hell do I do now? Um, oh, that marketing sounds quite interesting. Yeah, so they just need to go to www.mike-alpha.com. We'll put that on the yeah. show notes yeah. as well. In the link just there. go to the website. Um, there's some great videos there from some of the, um, some of the course delegates. Um, and that gives them a kind of feel for, you know, the experience. Um, the course that we offer at the moment is a five-day course. And um, we were delivering it in the Shard in London. The next one's virtual, but hopefully we're going back to physical delivery in, in September. Um, so everyone comes into the Shard for a week. Um, and Monday to Friday, they work together. And they learn all of the, the basics of digital marketing. Wow. So and when they is leave... This a, is this a... Uh... A subsidised course? It's free of charge. It's free moment. of charge for veterans. That's, that that yeah. is amazing. Yeah. So, um, 
Andy, you're doing an inspiring, inspiring job helping veterans on that. That is really amazing. No, thank you. It's it's definitely um, it's a very worthwhile thing, and um, I know that it's making a difference. You know, to um, with a number of the the spouses. So we we work with a, another fantastic partner, Recruit for Spouses, um, and you know we have five spouses now that are working for Virgin. As a, you know, who came yes, off the yes, course, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, we've got a full course for the for the next one in July. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, you know to seeing this kind of grow and um, more of the course kind of you know graduates going into employment in marketing, as well as becoming entrepreneurs or starting their own businesses. I've really enjoyed this interview. I'm sure there will be a part two, but we have come to the end and to my final question, which is if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would that message be? I think there'd be three things in my message. Um, one would be think about our planet and how we can conserve the resources, you know, this amazing planet that we have. The second one I think would be be kind and be compassionate. You know, in light of everything that's happening in the world, absolutely, yeah, right? that's absolutely kindness and compassion. You know, goes a long way. Mm. And I think the third thing would be, don't ever be afraid of reinventing yourself. I love it because you know, from the streets of Belfast to working for Facebook, you know, I mean, and a bit I, of tandem jumping, and a bit between. of tandem jumping. <laughs> but if I can do it, you know, any veteran can. It's, um, it's the mindset and, you know, just embracing this reinvention to, um, you know, to create a happy life. I love it. Andy, thank you so much thank for you, being Sonia. a guest on my cool. show. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.